welcome to Patch for another week. I'm your host Paul James. What you'll be noticing right now is this is a little bit different. What you're getting this week is a special crossover episode between the regular Player 2 podcast and one of your weekly episodes of Patch. This past weekend, myself and Jay, along with a range of others from the Player 2 team, all went to Patch Australia um, and we've recorded a crossover of, like we said, the Player 2 podcast and Patched. Uh, Jay was unable to make it, there was a couple others from the Player 2 team who were unable to make it. But you've got myself, Matt Hewson, Stevie, Jen, uh, Stephen, as well as Adam, who makes a fool of himself, make sure to look out for it. Um, all there to discuss everything we saw, heard and loved about PAX Australia 2016. So please kick back, enjoy. Matt's going to take the helm on this one. We'll see you later. Hello and welcome to this special Player 2 podcast, live from PAX. Um... Last episode was at EB Expo, this time it's at PAX. We uh, seem to only do these things when there's a big special show on. Uh, of course, it's me, Matt Hewson, I'm hosting again. I know you all love my voice so much, that's why I keep doing this. But uh, not to drown you in awesomeness, I've brought a heap of other awesome people along to join and talk about everything we've seen at PAX. Uh, we have, uh, we'll just go around the circle, we have Paul. Hey guys. We've got Stevie. Hello. We've got a very ill Jen. Hi. Hi. We've got Stephen. Ahoy, hoy. And we've got Adam. Hello. So we've got a good crew here. And we've also got uh, Ken and Matthew um, from Player 2 here, but they couldn't make the podcast. <coughs> busy doing important things <laughs> at the show floor. <laughs> so all we're going to do today is uh, talk about what we've seen at PAX, uh, what we've liked, what we haven't liked, the fun, the games, the craziness that is this wonderful mishmash of pop culture and board games and games and and weird cosplay outfits and all that sort of fun stuff that we come for every year. So I might just throw to Paul, we'll kick it off. Let's let's start with something easy. Best game on the floor. <laughs> I have played that. Um, we've got far more informed people in here, probably even Jen's got more idea than I do. <laughs> That's funny. We'll get, no, I'm only partially kidding. Um, <laughs> Because uh, I've not played much, I've had a crack at Kieru. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's Kieru, what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, in from the indie section, and then Final Fantasy 15 are the only two things I've actually gotten near in my entire time here, which is a far cry to last year where I felt like I'd played anything and everything. But by the end of the first day, so I guess Final Fantasy 15. Final Fantasy 15. Kieru is a nice looking game, though. I think I've talked oh, about yeah, it before. Looking really good. Um, it's a cool concept of black versus white with only red. Is it yeah. still the red blood trail? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that, it's come a long way since I saw it last year. Mm. Yeah, it's looking a lot sharper compared to what it. Well, they changed it's engines. Made, yeah, it made the jump from Unity to Unreal. Yeah. Mm. So, that's looking fun. All right then, Final Fantasy fans. <laughs> uh, it's the same build that I played at the EB Expo, and I'm real glad that I played it again. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, when we played at EB, I only played about the first ten minutes or so, mm. and then. Because it was that one hour before the public got in, I was bolting around trying yep. to get at everything and anything. So this time I actually finished the demo. Well, oh. until we got the tap on the shoulder and saying, "Bugger off!" Get out. I think I got further than you in the demo by a couple of seconds. Yeah, <laughs> not that it's competition, but he won. Yeah, <laughs> James played hours of it, so yeah, I played oh, well. the first two hours. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. So what's the combat like? It's good. Yeah, it's, so yeah. it's real time. Yeah. And but like abilities have like cooldowns or a cost to them or anything like that. Yeah, you have um. I think it's like TP, like technical points or yes. something. Um, and so when they deplete, you obviously can't keep using your abilities. Mm -hmm. 
Because I heard people liken it a bit to um, Crisis Core, which yes, I, I love Crisis Core. Yes, very, very much like Crisis Core. Crisis Core. Really, really good. Yeah. I found it a little, little bit kind of Kingdom Heartsy in mm-hmm. the way you can sort of zoom around when you use the triangle button to choose different points in the scenery to jump Top up to and two. then walk down and attack the enemies as well. I poked around in the menu a little bit and it looks like you can um, switch between like the active time battle and then switch it back to the weight system and a few other things. So it could play a little differently um, compared to... What, well, that uh, that's not a bad idea. I know I am set sooner recently had the option to switch between the active and the, the weight, and I know I played at weight because th- that was the old school way of doing things. So. <laughs> <laughs> the right way. Of yeah. Way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, one thing we did notice um, as we were, because the way they had the, the Final Fantasy XV um, boots set up was one side was six Xbox consoles and the other side was the PlayStation 4 consoles. Mm. and. Um, Got to say, when we walked past, uh, yeah, we checking both out, the, uh, the, Xbox the Xbox One's looking a bit blurrier than the PlayStation Four, considering they're all using the same AV setup. Yeah. So, oh, look, that what? could be anything. Xbox is worse than PlayStation. I know. What? <laughs> Shocking. Get, I know. Get, get us in the comments. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> Jen jumped on that quickly, I noticed. <laughs> as soon as you said it, I'm like, yes! It's alright, we had Tomb Raider first. Uh... <laughs> we have it with VR. Yeah! Um, alright, we'll go to Stevie. Stevie's been, been here wandering around and bringing the kids yeah. this year, and they got right involved. They have, yeah. I've, I've not actually played a great deal myself, but the kids have played a little bit. They mm-hmm. had to go mostly in the indie pavilion, although Kenny was really keen on Gravity Rush 2. So yeah, that nice. was pretty good, yeah. No influence from Dad there. <laughs> no. <None of laughs> <them. laughs> um, yeah, so in the, in the indie pavilion, I think we saw uh, Infertility and Harvest, and we had a quick look at Objects in Space and Wildfire and what's that, Adventure? Paradigm? Path? Oh yeah, the adventure yeah, palace. That yeah. One, yeah, we we just looked at those. It was a bit too much of a line for Penny's cosplay to hang around <laughs> too long. So, but yeah, the kids kids were right into everything. They were just you know enthusiastic like kids are. What do you think of Wildfire? I think it looks beautiful. Doesn't it? I've yeah. only played a very very tiny smattering of it, but it seems to be very much uh, like a Dan Dan Hines, the developer, and. I'm not sure who else is involved in it, but I know a few other people are. He's definitely the front man. Yeah, yeah, I think he's got someone to do music and a few people to help with the art. But it seems like a really whole... He's looking at the whole picture. He's got every detail. He's got to dovetail nicely with the next one. The music has to match the art and the art has to match mm. the story. And the story has to match the point he's trying to make. And a holistic yeah. approach to game design. Yes, yeah. And we'll be Very doing a feature on that game shortly after PAX. <laughs> so, when you ever get around to it, it's uh, so. Hopefully, I'll be I'll be doing an interview yeah. with uh, Dan uh, tomorrow. Oh, this yeah. Time, yeah, I'm very very excited for Wildfire. <laughs> mm. um, it's, I've definitely kept an eye on it for quite a while now. And yeah. I, I like what I see, and I got to play through the first few levels for the first time ever. Oh, nice. And it plays exactly. It's like I already knew how the game was meant to be played, mm. just from following its production on Twitter, mm. which is very powerful of social media. Dan's really good at it. Something else that you probably look at is like being a professional social media dude, fella. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the official job. Yes. Yeah. We'll make cards for that. <laughs> All right, uh, now we're going to go to the person that saw the least. Yay! <laughs> for uh, those that haven't caught on, Jen's been ill. She flew down from Sydney and caught the uh, the pre packs pox. pox and has been cuddling her toilet ever since. My life is great. I love it. <laughs> Everything is bliss. 
So what was your favourite candle? <laughs> Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of those beautiful Porcelain hugging It's all I need. All those digital apps. Was there anything you were particularly excited to see that you're not going to see? I was really just excited to go. Yeah. To see anything, really. That would have been great. Even, even the inside of the... the bottom of the... Yeah, just... The bottom of the exhibition centre. Just even getting outside the exhibition centre would have been awesome, to be honest. We'll show you some photos. Send you a postcard. Maybe even, like, picking up my past so I had some sort of memory. But I got... We'll go grab I, one for you. Got nothing. Got absolutely nothing. And loving life. <laughs> But you did make the podcast, so that shows someone commitment. Please talk to someone else now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back to Jamie. We're having some technical difficulties. <laughs> All right then, Stephen. What tickled your fancy? Um, so, uh, same thing I say every year. This will be the third year in a row. The indie stuff is way more interesting than any of the AAA stuff that's mm. happening down there. Most of it you can already buy. And if you can't, you'll be buying it in a month or two. So... I had no patience for the 90-minute wait times for a lot of that stuff. Paul and I checked out the Kingdom Hearts line and checked out within about four seconds when we did the math and realised we'd be standing there for 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, we foolishly stood in the Final Fantasy line for 40 minutes, not realising that there was a 20-minute time on the demo, and we thought they were rotating people out a bit quicker, but we were in too deep to get out. Yeah, by the time we, we realised there was no out. reason to jump out of that stage. So um, that was pretty cool, because that's something I've been wary well, for a while, Final Fantasy XIII burned me pretty hard, and I actually sold my entire Final Fantasy collection, which was every PlayStation title with guidebooks and things like that. Uh, it was, what? It was, very, it was very painful for Get me. Out. Well, one game has done this. It was three games, to be fair. Yeah, it was three games. Yeah. I only had to review one of them, thankfully, and I think that's only because Pete had had enough and couldn't Yeah, Pete had done the one. first two and cracked the shits and refused to do the final one. Um, uh, Obviously, I was with um, Paul when he was checking out um, Gieru, which um, is really cool. I checked it out last year, and as I said, it looks sort of like it's come a bit further. Uh, went and um, talked to some of the uh, devs of some of the indie showcase titles that we've ran features on. So on Paradigm, which uh, if you haven't checked it out, definitely jump onto the website. They've got a demo on there, and the, the only way I can describe that game is uh, Space Quest via Rick and Morty. <laughs> yes. It's really, really cool. Uh, hilarious as well, and just a really um, quirky sense of humour to it, so I thoroughly recommend Is that in the Pax Rising out. section? Yeah, that's, no, that's the showcase section. That's the yeah. showcase? Um, Eyes of Ara, which um, is by a one-man dev team, uh, Ben Drost, um, who's uh, one of the few Brisbane devs down here at the moment. Um, it's really cool. Already available on Steam. Um, no. I, it's coming to iOS. I think yeah. he's he's aiming for mid next year because he's he said he's doing the port himself. Okay. And he's scheduled about six months, and he's gonna see how it goes. Um, still uh, working to get over to Mini Metro, um, which is a pretty funky title. Their booth has seemed pretty popular. Every time I've gone over to say hi, there's a ton of people there, so obviously I don't want to bug them when they're working hard. And uh, Mallow Drops. I went and talked to uh, John, the developer of Mallow Drops. Um, such a lovely guy. I can't wait to put that interview together. Um, and an awesome game which is available now I think it's $10 on Steam yeah which is fantastic. really trippy little puzzle game yeah and yeah. just the graphic the graphical style I think is like really I asked him about it and I was like it was a, a conscious decision to sort of put this really calming sort of even colour palette in there and he said that that was part of it but it's you know one of those kind of puzzle games where um, from the parts that I've played of it you can just sort of 
lose yourself in it for a little while and it's and it's not in a frustrating sense where you know you just play some puzzle games just like oh you mother trucker oh, throwing your controller yeah, down saying, like yeah. um yeah, ladies yeah. and gentlemen he meant fuck <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm trying to avoid the e-tag. <laughs> no, no, we wear the e-tag with pride. That's fine. I think John just won two awards too, didn't he? He yeah. did. Um, he's, he's, he said that, that he actually said that um, the all the other devs have been giving him a bit of stick about that because when he won um, the awards for Killing Time at Lightspeed, which is his other game last year. He said they were ribbing him to put award-winning developer on his business card, and now they were like, "Now you've got to put multi-award-winning developer." <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a badge to be worn with pride, I think. There was a really good um, yeah. group this year at the awards. So There's a lot more space for the indies this year as well. It mm-hmm. seems like without um, Wargaming or LOL there with their really loud, obnoxious displays booming <laughs> over the floor, um, yeah. they've, Shots fired. they've given some more <laughs> space to the indies, and um, it's a bit of a calmer vibe in there mm. this year. And a lot of people, it's really great to see the amount of foot traffic going through that indie area. Especially for people who, you know, you would look at them and think they would traditionally be sticking to just the Ubisoft area and a lot of the AAA stuff, and they're getting in there and like finding some stuff that's maybe a little bit offbeat that they wouldn't normally. Well, even within that space, the Indies have had a bit more time to breathe because with the massive AAA presence in the past and yeah, League of Legends and the amount of space they take up, um, those Indies are so squashed, have yeah. been so squashed together in the past that they're basically stepping on top of one another. Well, they can fit a lot more people around now, the displays can... this year, yeah. which I've noticed yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Um, there's still a few more that I want to get down and uh, check out. I mean, Inflatality, which um, I looked at last year, is there again, and that's always a bit of fun even just to spectate on. Yeah, yeah. Crazy f- physics one-on-one yeah. fighter thing. Yeah. I always think of that family guy. Crazy in one way. Yes. You've been busy hunting through all the games. Oh, I really have been. Today's been such a good day. And just to echo what Stephen was saying, I almost feel we don't need to say this anymore, but the indie stuff is just fantastic. No, you're right. We don't need to say it. We really don't. (laughs) (laughs) What they just said, it seems like I know two years ago when I came to PAX, it was just as good then, but now it's better. So, I mean, it, it really is just highlighting just this local talent that we already knew existed in Australia and now we have this big event where we can all appreciate this hard work. And it's just such original ideas and passion which I feel is sometimes lacking from some AAA developer games. So, uh, like I said, I've been checking out a bunch of games. I checked out Wildfire, of course, so we won't go over that. I checked out Forts, which is uh, build your own fort, build its defences, build its weapons and everything like that. And then uh, all these weapons have cooldowns on them and your goal is to take down the other fort. It is so much fun. Uh, I mean, even the short demo that I played, you could just tell there's this strategy where it's like, okay, if I see him doing that, I can I can build my fort this way, which will block those attacks, and then I can counter with this, which he can't hit, and then you launch that, and they're like, oh, wait, he can stop that because he's got this thing down here. It's just everything playing together, and so it's not this rock, paper, scissors, turn-based thing which could potentially be bad. It's this almost like... You have to pick your moments to attack every time. So much fun. Um, what else did I play? So, uh, Nuclear Throne was there, which mm-hmm. is brilliant. It's basically it's a very enter the gungeon type game, but um, all so the maps are procedurally generated. Yeah, it's so good. So much fun. Uh, I got the chat with the lead developer on that, and he was fantastic, of course. 
Oh, what else? Oh, so many games. Um, some AAA stuff I went and played when we actually had a chance to. Uh, I got to play the new Tekken 7 game, Faded Retribution, which is coming out early next year. Yep. It's looking pretty close to finish now. But the only thing I can think that they're still adding is uh, characters. It's, it's still like about half the cast seems to be there. But um, this big story campaign, this is meant to be the last story in the whole uh, Mishima family storyline, which has gone for seven seconds now. Seven and plus two tags. It's been yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I thought Tekken was going to die after five. I thought five was okay, but it was like the story was just so ridiculous. I went, you just, it just seems like a rehash. And they had this big break. And then they're bringing out seven, which still isn't out yet, and it's looking fantastic. One of the biggest changes they did, though, they put Akuma in there, which is a Street Fighter character. And for those that don't know, it's it's a it's a two D fighter, Street Fighter, and then you've got a three D fighter, which is Tekken. They don't work together, and yet they put this character in there who plays exactly like Street Fighter into a three D world, and it changes everything. Mm. It's like suddenly you can't fight that character the same way you would fight any other character in the cast. And it's actually going to bring people over from Street Fighter who go, oh, well, I, I know how to play that. I know his combos and stuff, so this is what I'm going to do. So I played about uh, 15 minutes of that. It was excellent. And I played a little bit of World of Final Fantasy, but it's out now, so no one really wants to hear about that. And um, I did get to play the demo of the South Park game, Fractured Butthole. Yes. Yeah, I need to put a bit more of a pause in there. Fractured you're, still, you're still getting a kick Whole. Every time. <laughs> what a try. Every time. Uh, I mean, what can be said? Like, it looks and plays, at least initially, very similar to the Stick of Truth, but the humour is right there. So everything feels fresh. They're now going with their superhero personas, mm. and it's just hilarious. You, I'm laughing as I'm playing the demo. Like when I played at EB Expo, were you only allowed to play as the speedster? Yes. So I tried to select everything else. I thought there was a bug with the game. So I'm trying to select everything, and I can't. And then Speedster was the only thing I could select. But um, also halfway through my playthrough, the sound bugged out, got into a loop, and then my controller died. I went, well, that's fun. That's great. <laughs> Did you at least get to do the farting first? No. Oh, no, it's like so one of the best bits. You, you, you sit you down, spread you, you spread yeah. the uh, the left and right stick as if you're spreading his cheeks, and then and then I think it was the trees. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And I that's how you let loose. Uh, I think enough people have warned us off the noseless noseless rift. Yeah, no one, no one was tr- <laughs> game enough to try that. I know a few people that would reckon that uh, was haunting their nose for a couple of days afterwards <laughs> using it. So I think it's really interesting because I know after Stick of Truth, Matt and Trey said they didn't want to do another game. Yeah. But the fact that they've come back and those guys, I don't think they'll intentionally put out a shoddy product. No, I ever. think what's happened no. with the Stick of Truth had such a long and pain in the butt development process because it went through develop multi-developers and when THQ shut down it was in limbo for ages and I think you can't that kind of, not to go back yeah to and um but then it came out to such like it had no right to be as good as it was with that sort of development um behind it and um so I think they're, they're now they're happy because they've got a stable team and yeah you don't have to worry about don't have to worry about all that other and... crap I think it'll be interesting to see them sort of cycle through different themes and genres if they keep going because obviously they're maybe Playing with the RPG genre at the moment, they had their turn-based battle system last time. This mm. one's a more the, strategy. RPG it's almost like advanced system. warfare yeah. sort of thing, yeah. But then it'll just be interesting to see where they take it from there. They could do their anime anime characters. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for me, um, the real highlight has been Hand of Fate Two. Um, I loved the first Hand of Fate. I thought it was really cool. I love the whole idea of it. I still play it to this day. 
if I've got half an hour, I'll just sit down and play Hand of Fate and just play through one of the um, chapters. And uh, the second one is looking stunning. They've, they've obviously put a lot of work into how it looks and feels. It's a lot smoother now. There's none of the pop-in that was kind of a problem in the first one. Um, frame rate's good, graphics great, uh, and there's a new structure to it. So uh, instead of um, just having continual uh, chapters and then a boss battle as the cards roll out, is now um, an open table with challenges on it, and you can attack those challenges whenever you want, and each challenge has a different uh, uh, end focus. Well, the one I played, you had to get... You were being tracked by death, who's going to assassinate you, and the only way to survive him was to have a maximum health of 111 at the end of the end of the round. Man, death is a jerk. <laughs> so if you, if you went through the whole thing without getting the right cards or, or making the right decisions, you wouldn't have enough health at the end and you'd be dead and you'd have to redo the chap the challenge. Um, the dealer's back, uh, so that really cool, creepy dealer voice guy with the deep, deep, deep voice. And the, the guy you played in the original is now the Emperor. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> For those of you only listening, Adam's had a little incident with a bottle of water. <laughs> so if you wish to see how that played out, no, watch this week's patch. <laughs> <laughs> it's on YouTube right now. There'll be slime over replays. That water went right up my nose. <laughs> uh, Matt, Shall with, we... um, with Hand of Fate 2, did they run you through on PC or Xbox? PC. Um, it's coming to both, though, at the same time. Because they, we, Paul and I saw it down in the, um, the little Xbox uh, section running on the... Yeah. Xbox One, and um, I was going to ask you because, to my at least to my eyes, from what I played of the original Hand of Fate, um, at least the Xbox version didn't look too dissimilar to that on PC. And I was going to say, like, what else have they added to it? But uh, it looks it looks like um, they've just spent a lot of time. I mean, it looked pretty good originally, Hand of Fate. It looked nice. It just had a few just technical, yeah, technical things. <coughs> you know, obviously that come with a small team doing something quite ambitious. Um, so I think they've obviously. Sp- put the time into just smoothing everything out, everything looks just that little bit nicer, everything runs that bit quicker. Combat's got some new additions to it, there's special moves after you reach a combo of eight, and then there's finisher moves for stunned enemies and things like that, that are all pretty easy to use. I mean, if you've played Batman, you can play the combat in Hand of Fate. Um, But yeah, it's a really interesting idea, it's all made in Australia. Um, Kim, the producer, Kim Allen, who we've interviewed on the site before when Hand of Fate came out. Uh, she ran me through the game and was talking about some of their goals. Uh, the character you played in the original is now the bad guy. Um, oh. He's, he's, it's a hundred years later, the em- he's now the Emperor. I just well, bought the original this morning. <laughs> uh, no, you won't, you won't find that out in the original, but that's not oh. spoiling anything in the original. Um, there's not much, there's not much story in the original, to be honest. Uh, so the, and the dealer's training you to take him down. Uh, so yeah. It's good, really good. I really like it, and I can't wait for it to come Hopefully out. Hopefully, we'll see another feature about that. One. Yes, I'm writing something. Literally, it's on it's, it's the screen behind somewhere. behind Audacity the as we're recording. Are in the <laughs> 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 A little behind the scenes for you there. Listen. Yes. Um, so, I mean, PAX obviously isn't just about games. It's about a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, it's about tabletops games. and panels and things oh, like that. Oh. Um, was there anything? <laughs> Yeah, oh God. that's tonight, people. <laughs> I know there was something Paul James was looking for in the tabletop section that he couldn't find. I've never indulged in tabletop stuff whatsoever. It's just, 
it's just historically not clicked with me. And this still may, uh, may be the case, but uh, I did want to buy and see that this past week, Final Fantasy, the trading card game, is launched. Yes. Yeah. So I went, I went to go buy myself a starter deck, and they're clean sold out. With oh. the promise that maybe they might have some more tomorrow, but yeah. I won't get my hopes up. But I'm really excited. Really excited. I probably yeah I probably won't indulge in too much actual competitive stuff, but I'll, I'll happily collect all the cards because I'm a massive dork. <laughs> you know, I could have bought a deck, but I didn't. Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> I didn't know. choking on his water. I had no idea how to play it. <laughs> Put it up my nose, thank you very much, which effectively did choke me. So, um, a, a friend of mine was um, taking me by earlier on in the day. I, I didn't know that it had just come out in Australia or anything like that. And then... I, I have seen some people do some like playthroughs. Like apparently it's quite popular. I didn't realize how popular it's been it was. big in Japan. Yes, yeah. slowly started creeping its way. I think over the here, states but... are like they went a bit ape over it a little while ago as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's three decks available at the moment. One based on Final Fantasy Thirteen, your favorite, mm. um, <laughs> as well as. I think you'll find uh, it's a lot of people's favorite. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> as well as uh, ten and seven, I believe. So still well, seven will have to Presumably be. Presumably more to come. But yeah. Maybe when they put eight. For what's worth, I couldn't even find 13. Well, eight's the only good one, so. <laughs> You're a fool. So where's that door? The pinnacle <laughs> of that franchise and gaming itself is Final Fantasy. It's now. Chrono Trigger. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually had a tabletop experience which I've never had before because I got a... Is this, is this okay to say on a podcast? Yeah. yeah. Um, That's a really weird way of saying it. I'm just going to take my feet off. It's, <laughs> it's not the table all the cheese and crackers are on, is it? No. no, no, no. Let's keep in mind. They're the gutters, people. Um, so I got this PR email anyway that said, come and come, we've got a surprise game announcement. Come and check it out and, and we'll organise so you can um, have some time with the developer. I went, oh yeah, alright, I'll do that. And and they were quite, you know, really keen to get people there. And I said, well, what sort of game is it? And she said, no, no, it's a surprise. All right, all right, I'll play along. And I turned up, it's a tabletop game. It wasn't even a video game, so... Um, oh, that's, that's how they stung you. Yeah, they stung me. And I kind of thought, oh, all right, I suppose I'm here now. I may as well give it a crack. I had a shitload of fun. That was good <laughs> fun. Um, I sat down with the developer, the guy that actually made the game. It's Australian-made, and it was, it was literally launched yesterday at PAX. Oh, nice. Um, it's called Final War. And it's a tabletop card game. And I've never really played anything like that. But I mean, I've played Magic and stuff on the computer and, and Hearthstone. But that's about as close as I've ever gotten. Uh, I had a lot of fun. It was quite a quick... I was always worried about these games taking four hours to, to play. But this has got this quick play mode that we played. And we played... Uh, it's like a best of three rounds. And we did that in about 40 minutes. Um, we played it. We had fun. It's a... You know, a bit of reading of the cards, obviously, and what, what each card does, but it all works very nicely, and they were kind enough to give me a copy so I can play around with it and write something about it. So it, it, it surprised me. It's something I've never been interested in, and, um, yeah, it might, it might create an interest or something. Well, I wasn't into tabletop stuff until the first packs that I came to and then started picking up a few titles and yeah. getting some recommendations at some of the stores down there, and some of, the, some of them I really enjoyed, but... I find the biggest problem for me, at least, is having like a constant group of people who are willing to, to come over and spend the time to, you know, I've had some fantastic games, you know, like the, the Game of Thrones board game and things like that, but you do get to the point where, unless you've got that really dedicated set of friends who are as keen as you are on it, then you are whipping out the things just to do like a quick play mode or yeah, yeah. the, you know, 
quicker games like Citadels and Coup and things like that that can be churned through really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, well, this was good. Um, Final War Australian developed, so it's good to support. Um, I hope to find some people at home to play with. I might even teach my eldest to play. That might be good an excuse. It's maths. He learns maths, oh. you know. From <laughs> that's, that's right. He's yeah. the math teacher in the room. Yeah. Is that what Player 2 is all about? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was interesting, and, and it's kind of, I guess, what PAX is about, and finding new things. Uh, was anyone else tickled by the anything in the tabletop? Oh, yeah, it was great. Loved it. Loved hey. it. <laughs> Jen had a tabletop experience. Uh, <laughs> Not a PAX. Toilet experience. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I actually haven't had a chance to go across the tabletop. I, I have been so preoccupied with everything. It's If it's only one criticism I have of PAX, there's too much. <laughs> too um, much. That's why you've got three days. Yeah, I, that's uh, the point. I'm sort of interested in maybe going to check out the Dragon Ball Z uh, trading card game that got down there, but I'd want them to run me through a, a demo. A demo of it. Of it. Yeah. yeah. That really helped. Like, and, if the bloke had handed me that game and said, here, play, I'm like, what? And you've got someone to guide you. Yeah. Through. Worked really well. Yes, and I beat him. I beat the developer, but I reckon that's a media con. So I reckon the developer. He's like, oh, you beat me. Say nice things about my game. Yeah. Gee, you're really talented and good looking. (laughs) (laughs) No, he didn't push it that far. (laughs) Speaking of good, this is a funny thing. Um, At PAX, you've got to wear an R18 band on your arm whenever you go through the door. And uh, the guy got quite indignant about it because I'd, I'd already been in with the press and I hadn't, I'd managed to miss getting one. And the guy cracked it at me. He said, you haven't got your R18 band. And you said, punched it, right? I said, mate, it's not that fucking dark in here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any confusion. Have you seen any 17-year-olds that yeah. look like this? <laughs> the hardest 17 years of anyone's life <laughs> ever had to live. <laughs> School was rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, there's also the panels and things. Uh, was anyone catching any of the exciting panels? That yes. On? Yes. Oh, yes, I have. So I've been to a few panels. Yeah. And the reason I'm sounding so excited is that the quality of the panels, the guests, it's been phenomenal. The, the best panel I went to was, uh, was called Mortal, Mortal Kombat, A Science of Violence in Video Games. And we're... The panel was consisting of these people who have done these decade-long studies of finding if there any causation or correlation between violence and in video games and people. And maths again. Yeah, it was just... But, like, these academics who are actual academics who are so good at communicating as well, just going into full detail about how they were studying it and what they were doing and saying, like, oh, we used to use this, but... And they said one of the things that they found out was that... Our brains are so good at deciphering between um, uh, realism and, uh, sorry, reality and fiction that it doesn't matter how good or immersive that video game is, we know it's a video game. So if they're trying to test, say, uh, trauma on a brain, um, they'll show them videos of, say, people attending car wrecks. Cause that's, and they yeah. said people get traumatized by that. And they said they can't use video games because we're just like, oh, yeah, well, you know. It's a video Mortal Kombat, that's, you know, he gets his head chopped off. So there's no Red Dwarf, Better Than Life situations going (laughs) on here. That's it. (laughs) We'd know it's real. We wouldn't fall into the three months. That's exactly, or at least not at the moment. I think if that's ever going to happen, it's going to be when we can manipulate um, 
uh, someone's brain through uh, a computer program or something enough mm. that it's the brain then telling you what's going on. Yeah. And even then, who knows, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but like that panel was just so good because um, they they even went into things like um, uh, someone in the crowd went, well, don't we get desensitized to violence? And that's actually a, it's a topic that um, I'd always ask myself because I've done you know years of fighting and stuff. So now when I uh, say if a friend of mine goes down the street and gets in a fight and then he shows up the next day and he's got a cart and he's got a big black eye and I'm like, yeah, that's going to heal me. Like, it, it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't freak me out. It doesn't make me go like, oh, oh I need to go kill people now because of that. It's, I just go, you know, like, you know, three days from now, I'm not, not going to look like you've um, been in a fight. Um, and that's because I've been so desensitized. So mm -hmm. if I see someone getting into a fight, I'm like, you know what, like, it's, it is what it is, but, like, obviously you want to stop it. Yeah. Regardless of that, so I found I've been desensitized. Yeah. And what they were bringing up is that yes, there are there is actual evidence of desensitization, but it's very contextual, and it's not even a bad thing. They said it's like um, if you go to a paramedic, mm -hmm. and you said, oh, you're still freaked out when you go, to, you know, see someone with their leg cut off in a car accident. You got to like mentor them, and they said if they were freaking out all the time, they'd be terrible at their jobs. Yeah. And it's not that they don't care about the person, it just makes their job better that they can remain so calm. They can compartmentalise that, but in another situation... It, it might be different. Be yeah, well, if it was their wife giving birth or something, you know, it might, it might be Well, that's great for, like, a number of... They used to use... <laughs> they used to use um, those much. videos initially, and here's... here's what, they traumatise people? Yes. Yeah, that's so they said, like, here's a woman giving birth, and they said, but what they found is it was almost... With our men, it was about this 50-50 split of, like, men going, like, oh, and other men going, like, that That's where we all came from. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And I, I mean, before, before I became a parent the first time, they show you that video. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I didn't get freaked out. See, I haven't seen it ever, but I know I would cry forever. Yeah, it's, it's fair enough. <laughs> like, I don't expect people to watch and be all fine, but for me, I'm like, I guess in my head, I already had this logical, like, yeah, well, where do you think we all came from? You know, like... I don't care, man. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> so you're going to be hugging that toilet a little bit longer. <laughs> so, the but stalk. The stalk. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, stalk <laughs> the stalk brought it. Um, and um, then I went and saw how to be a shoutcaster with a whole bunch of League of Legends shoutcasters up there. Uh, Hingens was up there because he's he's new to the OPL. Yep. And um, he was maining that, but then they had a bunch of other. I think uh, Dark Rusty. He's one of the big OPL casters. And the difference between a, a play by play, play and a color caster and how they work off each other. Mm -hmm. And even down to um, someone raises. Everyone's shaking their heads. So, OPL. What does so, it OPL. Uh, for those who don't know, yeah. uh, Oceanic. Uh, league I only know this through editing uh, two yeah. years of Go for Pro articles from Adam. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> it's the Australian League for League of Legends. Okay. And um, Worlds would do yes. like when all these different <laughs> regions get together and then they compete against each other. So that's Worlds. That's, the, that's like the Olympics of yeah. League of Legends. So, okay. Uh, and like, well, Probably less drug choice. And you would think it's pretty easy, right, to um, just shoutcast about a game, but the amount of work that goes into before they even like step in front of a mic, like, they know so much, and it's just, bam, they rattle it off all the time before they don't even think about it. It's like in, built into their muscle memory. It's like, oh, that's the cooldown for that ability is on this, and he's going to want to use that right before he uses his thing. Otherwise, it's going to be useless, and he needs to save up this much gold to get that. That should take him about 13 minutes, and this player likes to do this move, so he's going to try and do that, or he's going to counter that. It's, 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 it's so involved, and no one ever sees that work. They just see them come up to the mic, and then they're shoutcasting. And someone asked the best question, it was the last question of the day, they said, how do you not talk over each other? 
And I, I've done some like real amateur shoutcasting like at some of our local events and it is a big problem. Like you, um, sometimes you mesh with people and sometimes you don't. And then you end up trying to talk over one another. And I said, well, they use hand signals a lot as well. Like they'd be like, this means something or this means something or this means something. <laughs> <laughs> and they said like, th they'll do that bang. So if they go like, put like something like two fingers on the table, they go, oh, I've got a point to raise off that. So yeah, like, let me, let me bring that up afterwards. Or if you're talking, They'll do something like not that, but something yeah. down here. Punch him in the arm. Buggy punch. And uh, they said, "What that means is that don't finish your point because I've got to add to that." And um, I thought that was like that's just so key because we just take it for granted when we see commentators. It, you go to any any sport and they have commentators, and we just take it for granted that they can just work together. It's actually a really delicate and hard to do skill. It's not easy to do. Uh, so that was that was fantastic. Um, I also went to an esports panel uh, about athletic commission for esports. How did you see any games? Oh, I've seen so many. I kind of think it's on once a year, so I'm just going to work my ass off every day and just see and do as much as possible. Yeah. I've had like three coffees today already, and uh, the athletic commission was excellent. Like it was another excellent thing because there is no athletic commission for esports. Nothing. So if you're if you've got a game and it's big enough to be an esports game, you're your own governing body. Whereas if you do something like football, there's a governing body behind mm. that, and the That's importance the of that governing body is so that you know that you don't have uh, people doping up, which is actually a thing in esports. What? You know, people take speed so they can play longer. Okay, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, beta blockers. <laughs> yeah. To okay. reduce. Nervous yep. twitching and things like that. I think yeah. I need some of those sometimes. So That's yeah. probably the four cups of coffee that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and missing water and throwing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was uh, there was one uh, lady on the um, on the esports panel. She's she's a professional CS:GO player, and they're about to launch uh, women's only league for CS:GO. And it wasn't it wasn't tension on the panel, but um, the the main guy behind it said, as a commission, they would never support like men only women only he says it should always be open but he went into why it should always be open that being said he's not saying that this other one shouldn't exist because it's pretty evident um, from an esports perspective the two athletes that were up there they said look people cop abuse no matter who you are online it doesn't matter it's like you'll cop abuse to the a b c and d but when you're a woman and they find out you're a woman it's now a b c d and now e f g because you're a woman it's a much targeted mm. set of insults and not for any other reason except for your gender and because people can get away with it online right yeah, yeah. so um, I kind of feel that in order for women to transition to esports and for those who don't follow about 98% of esports is men and I don't like that because I, I feel that we should be competing on this same level and I want to see it but it's not happening so you need to have these other things, which if anything at all Make is a safe space, a nice transition. And if men want to sit down and um, men might initially think, oh, hey, hang on, well, why can't we get special like treatment because we're men? It's like, well, the, the reason you don't need it is because you already have that stepping stone. Like it's already there and it's already working. And that's why it's 98% men. We want women in here. Mm. We need a different stepping stone for them. And not to like build it in parallel to what we currently have, but to build it up here and go, okay, now go in there. It's like you're clearly at a high level. This team needs um, another player and you're good enough. Not because you're a woman, not because you're your skin colour or where you're from, just because you're, you're a good player. 
and I want to see more of that. It's, I can count on one hand how many times I've seen a female fight at an FGC event. It's not many. And then when I've seen a couple that are like do really well. And um, I think uh, in Killer Instinct, there's one girl called Pink Diamond. She's like one of the best KI players in the world. She's it. I can't think of a name or have seen any other one. Mm. That's um, kind of sad. It is. It is. It's, it's very understandable. Like um, if you think about um, if like when we're all growing up, it's like, oh, boys, go play your video games. Girls, go play with your dolls or something. No, no, video games are for boys. And if you have that culture for, let's say, 20 years, yeah. we've all grown up with this video game skill, and now esports is a thing, it makes sense. But that doesn't mean we can't change and do things to make it more accessible for other people. So I'm going to interview her later. I'm really looking forward to that, because I, I want to find more about this league, and I want to get the word out there. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, any other panels anyone made it to? Uh, Paul and I made it to a exceptional panel <laughs> about... Uh, uh, how geekery saved uh, some people's lives, including our illustrious editor here. Yes, yes, it was a good panel. Uh, Ken, actually, um, part-time video con contributor to uh, Player Two, he organised it um, with some much more illustrious guests than I. Uh, we had Alana Pierce from IGN. We had oh, nice. um, Tim Dawson, Dawson from uh, Witchbeam, who created an <coughs> assault android cactus, and. Uh, I'm terrible with names. Who do we have? From Armello. Uh, created Armello League of Geek. Uh, no, no. I've just gone blank. Pad, 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 pad. pad. Quick, quick. <laughs> Researcher, put it on the spot. So can't, yeah, it's not on camera, it's fine. <laughs> we, uh, we talked about uh, how <coughs> our sort of geek culture, I suppose, for lack of a better term, helped us through some sticky points in life and how uh, it's it's... A really welcoming community and things like that. It went, it went really well, actually. The oh, this he came. Yes. Which um, it was for the first thirty-five minutes, and then um, seemed like a lot of people in the audience had to pluck up the courage to start sort of sharing the some of their opened. own yeah. experiences. Yeah, and it was really good to see, actually. So uh, we were Ken. I know was particularly worried about whether the audience would be invested enough to, to, to talk but they, they got involved I thought you were going to say after the first 35 minutes people got the courage to leave <laughs> no, there was only one guy that did that there was one guy that left and there was one guy sleeping in the front row and oh, you should have thrown your water bottle no well honestly if it was any other topic I was throwing lollies at this guy but because it was all about being you know positive and, and things like that I thought that was probably inappropriate so to throw the lollies at him <laughs> otherwise he was getting minties in the head especially, especially those convention center lollies they're just rock the yeah. yeah not chippy too <laughs> but yeah it was a good it, it was really good actually and, and to hear how um, other people have have used uh, gaming or whatever to get them through meeting new people or or yeah. getting through some anxiety or, or, or whatever the case may be, a stressful time at work. Isn't it a trope when, uh, you know, when we're growing up, it was always like, oh, you know, you can read a book for 10 hours. No one's going to bat an eyelid. You play a video game for five hours straight, yeah. go out and get some sun or meet yeah. people. <laughs> and I've my, met so many people through gaming. My yeah. go-to was more television. Like, my parents would not have cared had I sat in front of the TV for like 10 hours and watched TV. But if I... There was a point where they, they were going to send me to a shrink because I thought I was addicted to Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> like, we just don't know what's wrong. All you do is come home and play this game. I'm like, if all I did was come home and sit in front of the TV, you'd, you'd be like, say anything, yeah. you'd bat an eyelid. You'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, my mum never had an issue with me buying books. Uh, but if I bought a video game, it was you wasting your money. 
Yeah, so, you know. Mortal Kombat 2 came out. <laughs> yeah. An elderly relative that used to always comment on the fact that my younger brother was oh, he's sitting in front of the computer again. He's in front of the computer. Yeah, I still again. hear that. Now he's yeah. got a fantastic job in front of the computer all day. Yeah, he's a graphic yeah. designer, so and he's very talented. Yeah, that's, that was my always joke. You, you get upset I'm sitting in front of the computer, but you sit in front of the computer in front of spreadsheets all day. Yeah. Mine's at least fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've got some games in my spreadsheet. <laughs> but yeah, so it was fun. It was a fun panel. And it's always fun to be part of them um, at this really cool event. Uh, what else? What else? So there's, there's been a lot here. But, oh, I mean, cosplayers. Cosplay's been really good. Holy there's a lot of there, Overwatch. There was there some guy dressed in like this. I didn't this. even play Overwatch and I'm like, that's you say the Reinhardt? Oh my god! Oh my god! So great! Oh my god! It was. I'm not talking. He just had this like these sleeves that, on. Maybe he's about ten foot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, like it was brilliant. Oh man, that guy deserves some. He was actually at Pax West. Oh, really? oh wow! Yeah, and they, trips around. And they, they brought him over. No, well they they arranged to have him over because I've saw I've seen footage. He brought it out at PAX West um, for Wait, the first so, time. So is he, he's American, is he? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. I don't like him now. Um, <laughs> and he brought it out at PAX West the first time, and the voice of Reinhardt was at PAX oh, West. Oh, no and, way! And so they got them together and, you know, yeah. doing... There's some videos online anyway of that. Amazing. So he's come out. Um, there were some really cool ones. There's a lot of Overwatch, like I yes, said. There's I found Overwatch two everywhere. Kimmy cosplayers, and I'm like, every year... <laughs> always at least one there was so, someone brave enough to do a Kemi um, outfit like surprisingly few Harley Quinns this year I yeah, thought they were yeah that's cool I was just yeah. about to say the same thing very few well very few Suicide Squad Harley yeah. Quinns mm. I've seen, a, I've seen a few classic Harley Quinns yeah, yeah. it's, it's cause the movie sucked <laughs> I watched it for the first time the other night was it bad I got like half an hour and I'm like wait did I cause I acquired it in unusual ways. Oh, yes. I was like, oh, did I? Which means completely legally. <laughs> yes, definitely very legally. And I sort of thought for a minute, did I lose the first half hour of this movie? I heard the editing just yeah. buried it. So apparently the trailer did so well that one of the 80 million producers on it went, oh, we'll get the people who edited the trailer to edit the movie because it needs to be more in line. Yeah. And so this guy is clearly the smartest guy on earth. <laughs> and it turned out to be just a terrible mess. I'm like, I'm really getting tired of these movies coming out. Because <laughs> this is not the first time this has happened. Where they go, oh, well, you know, we lost in editing. Oh, like, oh, it was too many directors or producers. I'm like, hey, guys, you can't keep on using that as an excuse <laughs> after the 10th time. It's like, I haven't forgiven you for Prometheus yet. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that movie. It's such a shit movie. It's, yeah, it's just weird. I think I feel like it might have been probably pretty bad, even mm. if it was edited a bit better. But yeah, I was honestly sitting there thinking, did I fall asleep for a minute? It's <laughs> a huge chunk of story. Or... Oh, dude. Well, I think the vibe overall of PAX has seemed a little bit more subdued this year than previous yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. I certainly haven't been doing as much drinking this year. Give it uh, to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The night is young. Yes. <laughs> But I wonder if, obviously, they get a lot of repeat business, so I wonder if for a lot of people it's the novelty's worn off a little bit and it's yeah. just a little bit more comfortable to yeah. slip into. And, yeah. I um, actually did an event before Pax. Um, someone's phone going off, it's probably mine. Um, and I did a wargaming event, which was... Because uh, they don't have an event at, at Pax this year, so they ran one on the Thursday night. It's very interesting wargaming, and, and there was a lot of things like... 
the crowd is very eclectic. Uh, there's everyone from 15 year olds right up to like 60, 65 mm. year olds. And these 60, 65 year olds are people that actually drove tanks or, or fixed tanks or, or were on warships, you know. So they, they go into this sort of simulation game for a chance to kind of revisit that from their youth. Um, so I found that really interesting. I also found what I didn't know they did was they go around to, to um, various battle sites around the world um, and museums and things, and they reclaim lost tanks and oh. and re- restore them and get them to the appropriate museums. Um, so they've done that in a, with a couple of Australian tanks have been brought back to Australia. <coughs> the guy was telling us that the most recent one was a uh, American tank that they found in Germany, um, and they restored it and got it back to the Smithsonian. Oh, nice. So. Um, that sort of thing, I found it really cool, and it's such an enormous game, and it's an easy game, and warships and World of War tanks is an easy game to take the take the Mickey out of. Um, well, you know what? They're actually the only game that has more users than World of Tanks is League of Legends. Yeah, and it's not that much of a gap. It's a massive thing, yeah. and and uh, but then and then they do something completely ridiculous, like announce their new commander for World of Warships as Stephen Seagal. <laughs> and suddenly my lunch is <laughs> and it's not even young on your order. Casey Ryback Steven Seagal it's fat old Steven Seagal so. so sad you didn't bring one of those posters home uh. <laughs> you know what's real sad about that guy like he can't even get through a sentence he has to take a breath halfway through he's like I'm here to project this new world of warships <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's just, yeah, a, oh. And he wears big jackets all the time yeah. to hide the fact that he's just a big guy now. Like, yeah. you've got money, you can hire a dietitian. Is he still like a sheriff or whatever? Uh, oh, he was gosh. always like an honourable type. Like, yeah, was It was for like, the show. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he actually like, ran the law in a town. No. <laughs> that would be really frightening. No. It, just, it worked out good for the town because um, they got extra money and extra exposure. Mm. So they were like, yeah, you're an honourable police officer. <laughs> and then they go ahead and take baddies down. And like there was one, um, there was one interview they did with some of the people. They said, oh, so, so tell us about what it was like working with Seagal. And they went, well, at one point, like they took someone down, like a bad dude. Yeah. The cops did, the actual cops. Yeah. And then when they're on the ground, they said, the guys would come and went, oh, can we, can we do that again? But like get Steven in to like come and like put, like put a lock on him or something like that. And they went, no. <laughs> like, no, we need to arrest this person. Um, but he's like, there is a lot in there that's real, but it's like any other reality TV show where there is set up stuff to it. So, so didn't he get, sorry, you'll probably want to edit all this out. Yeah, <laughs> didn't he um, get sued because they conducted a raid on the wrong house or something? I didn't hear about that. <laughs> that's that awkward. Let's keep it all in. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I actually said to the PR guys at Wargaming, said, why'd you pick Steven Scarlett? And they said, well, basically the thinking in Korea where um, World of Tanks is from, was that they needed a famous celebrity that had been on a ship. And I said, well, you know, okay, Under Siege was good, but that was in 1993. And Gary Busey was in it, so he was <laughs> clearly the obvious choice. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, like just yeah. get someone. Gary Boosie's mental as it is, so yeah. people expecting him to jump up everywhere is yeah. just a complete nut job. That actually would have been a really clever <laughs> move. <laughs> I don't think the Koreans remember Gary Boosie. They probably just they, they needed the, the American 
Yeah. Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. Gary Busey in charge of a multi-billion dollar battleship. <laughs> There's an island there. It doesn't matter. We'll go through. <laughs> Oh yes, Gary Boosie. What a legend. Um, so I mean we're coming to the end of our podcast. Uh, mm. and sadly another PAX, there's another day uh, here for a few of us uh, and a few of us have to sadly trip home. Um, but I always I mean this is great, there's only a few like twenty minutes up the road. Twenty minutes up the road for the Melburnians. And uh, we've got we've got Stephen from Brisbane and myself and Adam from Canberra and Jen from um, Spewville. And <laughs> and uh, we all head home. But I, I always uh, astounds me every year about how the reason I, I come to these events is it is uh, not so much the games, which is awesome. You get to play games, you get to see all these new indie titles. It's unreal. But it's to catch up with everyone and. and it's a really good community. I get to see people that you know I don't get to see enough, and and it, it makes it such a fun event. And video games are friends; they they're a match made in heaven. Um, what do the signs say? They say "Welcome home," and it feels like home. Yeah, it does, and everyone gets along really well. There's no, there's none of that um, horrid bit of crap that you see. On shit you see on Twitter. You know, no one mentions Gamergate. No one mentions. And if they do, they get laughed out of the theatre. Yeah, so it's very welcoming. It's very open to everyone's ideas, philosophies, religions, whatever it may be. So it's a really wonderful place. And if you haven't made it at PAX, uh, I can't recommend it enough. Um, Jen will find out maybe next year. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> it's all right. We'll get a couple of drinks into it tonight and she'll be fine. She'll be spewing for a real reason. Yeah. The, alcohol, the alcohol will help purge. The alcohol helps everything. <laughs> um, does anyone else have anything we've missed? We don't want to you know, shortchange anyone. No. Jen, nah. final thoughts? Shut up. I hate you. Great packs, one of Best packs ever. <laughs> <laughs> Hate Melbourne. Hate <laughs> <laughs> We're the most lovable city in the world. You just couldn't handle it. It was just most too awesome. City <laughs> the inside of the toilet bowls are very clean. Yeah. <laughs> ten out of ten, do recommend. We yes. can't guarantee they will be the same packs, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then we might leave it there. Thanks for joining us. This has been a, uh, another episode of the. Player 2 podcast, the next one we've got coming up, which will be about three weeks' time, if anything goes to plan, and then we will have the wonderful Sadistic Santa making a return for our Christmas episode. Um, So stay tuned to Who Wants Something Interesting in Their Christmas Stocking. Uh, My name's Matt Hewson. You can catch us all on Player 2. And uh, various spots on Twitter. I'll put everyone's Twitter account in the show notes. So thanks for joining us, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. 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 We should make Jenna play a spew shirt. <laughs> <laughs>